Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Uh, it must be spring break or something, or fall break, or whatever season this is. It's hard to tell, isn't it? Because it's supposed to be cool out there, but it's, you know, been 90 degrees. Uh, a lot of people are out of town, uh, but we're glad that you're here this morning, and we welcome you. We welcome our, our guests, especially this morning, and hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship the Lord together. One of the things we like to do is to have a moment of greeting, so let me invite you to stand up and turn around and shake the hands of the people around you. Find somebody you don't know and introduce yourself this morning. Thank you so much. It's, it's good to share the greeting of the Lord with one another. Uh, let me call to your attention a few announcements that we have, some things going on uh, this coming week. Uh, first of all, let me remind you of our attendance sheets. They're on the clipboard on, on each row there. We'd like to ask if you would to take that and fill it out as completely as possible and pass it down the road so the people uh, down the road from you can do the same. Uh, we would certainly appreciate that. Several things happening this week. On uh, Tuesday, our Joy Lunch group will be meeting, and so we invite you to come and bring a dish and bring a friend, and uh, uh, that's at noon on, uh, on Tuesday. And this Tuesday, we will be enjoying Doris Whitledge, who will be sharing with us about her trip to China. So that will be an interesting time. Also, on Wednesday, we have started a new Bible study on Wednesday evenings, um, and it's, we're, it's kind of falling under the heading of the Jesus Manifesto. Uh, this is taken from the fourth chapter of Luke, uh, which was Jesus's first sermon that he ever preached. It was in his hometown of Nazareth right after his, uh, his baptism and his temptation in the wilderness. And so we're going to just really pour into the fourth chapter of Luke there. And, and uh, it's a very interesting chapter. And it kind of sets the tone for his ministry. Uh, I, I like to call the fourth chapter of Luke or his sermon there Jesus's mission statement. And so I hope you can be there for that. Uh, this Wednesday, that will be the only activity going on since uh, since we it is fall break and a lot of people are out of town. Uh, we will not be having our children's activities. We will not be having our dinner Wednesday, but we will be having our Bible study at 630. Uh, also, on Friday, our children will be having a field trip. Uh, they'll be meeting here at the church at 11 o'clock that, that morning and going from here uh, to Cece's Pizza and then to the Children's Museum afterwards. And that's, uh, that's always a wonderful time. I've never been to the Children's Museum, but I've always heard that it is a wonderful place to be, a lot of hands-on activities for the children, and uh, there's a, a notation in the in the worship folder about that. So uh, we invite you to bring your children and and uh, and allow them to participate in this. Also, Saturday, uh, Saturday, it all happens, folks. It all begins as we uh, begin our upward games this Saturday. I can't hardly believe it. Uh, so please be in prayer for that. 
Uh, we've had a lot going on, and, and we've been busy working up to this point. So be in prayer for our upward basketball and cheerleading program as it gets underway on Saturday. And I think, Mary, you have an announcement to make uh, in, in regards to upward. feel like I'm standing on the mountaintop. <laughs> um, um, I am in charge of the uh, devotions with the children during the week uh, for upward uh, basketball and cheerleading. They practice Monday, Tuesdays, and Thursdays, as so- and, and I cover Tuesdays and Thursdays. As some of you um, may know, I ever so gracefully fell and tore my rotator cuff. And I'm having to have surgery on the 17th, October 17th. So I've got a couple of Tuesday nights. Thursdays are pretty well covered. Thank you, Greg. Um, I've got a couple of Tuesday nights that I need devotions with the children covered. They supply devotional material so you don't have to create anything. Um, On Tuesday night, there's two practices um, one at 6 o'clock, one at 7 o'clock, so the devotions are done at 6.30 and 7.30. Um, it's the same devotion um, that you do two times because it's two separate groups of children. If you would be willing to cover either and or the, uh, October the 23rd and or October the 30th, um, I would be ever so grateful. I will give you the material here, and you can have that uh, far enough in advance. So just see me after worship. And you still need greeters and scorekeepers for Saturday. Greeters and scorekeepers for Saturday. Thanks. Let us pray together. Eternal and ever-present God, as you have made us and called us with a holy calling, we pray that you would guide us 
and sustain our lives in your way and in your word so that all that we may say and all that we may do will be set apart to the building of your kingdom. We pray that our worship and our work would become one. We pray that your blessings would be upon us as we worship together and as we work together for you. And we ask this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. on the uh, printed bulletin in the chorus hallelujah there should be three hallelujahs not just two
for us. You made this universe out of nothing, and yet you ask us to give to further your kingdom. You who can do all things, ask us to open our hearts and give to you. Help us to realize it's a privilege and an honor and a pleasure to contribute to your work, and help us to remember that in doing so, we open our hearts so you can live within us even more and work your miracles in your world even more through us. So go with us, be with us, and help us to turn our talents that you gave us to begin with to your service to make your kingdom and this world a much better place. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Well, I went to I went to my buddy's house and we uh, I told him I said, Well, I think I got number ten for the album. He said, Okay, what's it about? I said, Well, there's a little verse that keeps coming around in my mind. I can't find it in the Bible. I know it's there. It's just something that I remember hearing where uh, God told him, or Jesus told him, and said, uh, It's easy for you to believe because you've seen the miracles. But, you know, blessed are the people that didn't see them, but they're going to believe anyway. So a whole lot had come down to what faith, faith was about. With faith, you know, comes hope. And then with hope comes dreams. And then you can just watch the dominoes, you know, as they fall and everything. So what I did was I stole this thing off of a milk commercial. <laughs> yeah, I've got your interest peaked already, don't we? Anyway, I told him, I said, well, I like it, but every time I play it, it seems like it sounds like nine-pound hammer. So if I catch somebody uh, doing the nine-pound hammer thing, I know what you're doing. You're not listening to me, right? Well, I was sitting here reading, start to think. Stuck jumping up off this thing, God leading his children to promised land. As doors of the maple, Stephen King proud, walked through the desert, following the cloud ahead. God didn't need to understand. Saw a burning bush, now what would you do? It started talking to you, now that Moses, he was a very trusted man. He walked to the scene and waited to go back. Old said, take stick, give it back. Just did it. Walked across on dry land. Lord told no hand built your boat. Don't matter where you put it, I will make it float. Start some rain, let's get inside. Take two of the thing, but make it real wide. Pass through the ages, taught as a truth. Homes I told us I was you. Much to ponder, so much to conceive. Do you or don't you want to believe me? I got you if you
That little clip was from the Dorothy Day story. Dorothy Day, for those who, who may not know, is a wonderful saint from the Lord who began the Catholic Worker Program. She, along with Peter Morin, and that's who gave the shoes away. His name is Peter Morin, based on a true story. It's already been a wonderful day, hasn't it? It's been a wonderful day. Musically, thank you, Tina Belcher, for filling in for Jika. Uh, Terry, for the song that you sang, and, and Tina, as you were um, playing just a closer walk with the, I couldn't help but be reminded of another uh, dear saint in the Lord, um, a dear friend who has since passed away, but uh, his name was John Hall uh, from New Orleans, and that was his favorite song, and uh I remember one day, uh, it wasn't during a worship service, I think somebody was practicing and they were playing that song. And, I, and what he really wanted to do was to get that song and get everybody behind him and do one of those New Orleans type processions, you know, uh, with everybody just kind of doing a little parade with just a closer walk with the, I can think of nothing more appropriate because we are celebrating the, the walk of Christ with us. Our scripture for today comes from Luke chapter 17, verses 5 through 10. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. The Lord replied, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Then he says, who among you would say to your slave who has just come in from plowing, or tending sheep in the field, come here at once and take your place at the table. Would you not rather say to him, prepare supper for me, put on your apron and serve me while I eat and drink? Later you may eat and drink. Do you thank the slave for doing what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were ordered to do, say, we are unworthy slaves. We have done only what we ought to have done. This is the word of God for you and me. You know, we Christians are funny people, aren't we? In one of his books, Chuck Swindle tells about a lady who wanted desperately to go on a tour of Israel, but she wanted a sign to confirm that this was God's will for her. And the morning after she began planning this trip to Israel, she woke up at exactly 7.47 in the morning. Well, the tour group was supposed to fly over to Israel on a 7.47 jet. And so she took this as her sign that confirmed that God would bless her trip to Israel. Another young man needed to buy a car. But he wanted to make sure that whatever car he bought was in God's will for him. And one night, he had a dream in which everything he saw was yellow. And so the next day, he went to the car dealership and bought the yellowest car that he could find. And true to form, it was a true lemon. (laughs) 
Then there was the deacon who wanted to be a pastor, but he didn't want to spend several years in a seminary. And so he wondered, would God approve of him buying one of those fake seminary degrees from an, an online degree mill? Well, the deacon concluded that this was indeed God's will for his life after he read 1 Timothy 3.13 from the King James Version, which reads like this. For they that have used the office of a deacon will purchase to themselves a good degree. My friends, these well-meaning Christians looking for a sign remind me of Jesus' disciples asking him for more faith. That's what they do in our scripture lesson for today. They ask him, increase our faith. Well, let's think about that a minute, folks. Already in Luke chapter 9, the Master has given them the power and the authority to heal and to cast out demons. You would think that would be enough, wouldn't you? They've been with Jesus every single day. They saw miracles that would make our hearts stand still. And yet, they still wanted more faith. What more could Jesus possibly give them? And the answer is that he doesn't give them anything more. Notice how Jesus answered their request. He said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. My friends, I believe that what he is saying to these disciples and to us is that your problem isn't really a lack of faith, because it doesn't take a whole lot of faith to do sensational things. What it takes is commitment. What it takes is determination and persistence and a will to see things through to the end. Back in the late 1940s, there was a football player at Ohio State University named Bucky Wirtz. Wirtz was a walk-on linebacker who stood only five feet, six inches tall. And when he showed up for the first practice, the coach was shocked. Bucky was too small to play linebacker. They would kill him, he thought. And so at the end of practice, the coach told Bucky that he couldn't play. He was cut from the team. But the next day, Bucky was back in uniform, and the coach called him over and said, I told you you were cut from the team. You're too small. These guys will kill you. And so, with a firm but committed voice, Bucky said, Coach, with all due respect, you nor anyone else can prevent me from playing football for my team and for my school. Well, needless to say, the coach was surprised at this, but he liked Bucky's attitude, and so he allowed Bucky to stay on the team. And Bucky turned out to be the best linebacker or the best, I'm sorry, the best tackler on the team. Fast as lightning, sure on his feet, he would burst through the line and, and hit the ball carrier before he could even get started. And yet still the coaches agreed that he was too small. They didn't want him to get hurt. But in the third game of the season, they, after the game was in the bag, the coaches let Bucky go in and play. And he made every tackle for the rest of the game. He started every game after that. And for the rest of the season, he led the team in tackling. 
The next season, Bucky grew up to five foot eight and weighing only 168 pounds. Again, he led the team in tackles. Every season after that. And on January the 1st, 1950, Ohio State played USC in the Rose Bowl. And USC had this giant all-American fullback weighing 240 pounds, who was the finest running back in the nation. And Bucky was assigned to cover him. 240 pounds against 168. Guess what? This fullback never gained a single yard. Bucky hit him behind the line every time he had, he had the ball. And, and Ohio State won that game in a shocking upset. My friends, a little faith and a lot of hard work made Bucky Works a champion. So the problem, Jesus was saying to his disciples, is not that you have too little faith. The problem is that you're not applying the faith that you have. And then Jesus tells them this strange little parable. He says, suppose one of you has a servant who's been plowing a field or looking after sheep. When that servant comes in from work, would you say to that servant, come along now and sit down and and eat? Not likely. You would probably say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready, and wait on me while I eat and drink. And then after that, you may eat and drink. And then after dinner, would you thank that servant because he did what he was told to do? Then Jesus adds these interesting words. So you also, when you have done everything that you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants, and we have done only our duty. Folks, in our modern ears, this is a teaching that is so out of step with our times that it requires a bit of interpretation. The fact is that Jesus lived in a world in which slavery was a fact of life. And in this world, if the master of the house saw a servant in the field, he would not say to him, come on in and get cleaned up and I'll fix you dinner. No, that was very unlikely. But he would say... When you finish your work, come in and fix my dinner. And then after the master had eaten the meal, he would not have gone out of his way to say thank you to the servant, nor would the servant expect to be thanked. Because after all, he had simply done his duty, what he was supposed to do. Now, you and I would probably not fare very well in a culture like this because we like to be recognized and appreciated for, the, for our work, don't we? We like to be patted on the back. We like to be rewarded. So we would not be like this faceless servant. We'd, we wouldn't like to be that. Actor Anthony Hopkins once spent some time with a professional butler as he was preparing for a role in a movie. And this butler measured his success by how well he could be of service without drawing attention to himself. The real test of a butler's excellence, he said, is that the room seems emptier when he is in it. Well, that's a concept that is alien to to most of us today, isn't it? We don't want to disappear into the woodwork. Most of us like people to recognize us when we've done a good job and to say, well done, 
or even on occasion to give an extravagant praise. In fact, there was, a, there was an article in a magazine a few months ago that talked about the challenge that many companies are having today, giving their younger employees constant positive reinforcement. Because of the high self-esteem movement, that, that, uh, that's what many of today's young adults have, have gotten at home or at school from the time they were born, that positive self-esteem, which is a good thing. You're the greatest. There's never been anyone like you before, but, but they've gotten used to that, and it's, and it's getting hard for people in our society to imagine doing anything simply and solely because it's our duty to do it. And there are things that we need to do simply and solely because it's our duty to do it. To set Jesus' words in a more contemporary setting, we might imagine paying our light bill. Think about that. When you send your check in to pay your utilities, you don't expect a letter from to come back from the president of the power company saying, well done. You paid your time. You paid your bill on time. You're super. Keep up the good work. We're proud of you. No. We pay it because it's our responsibility to pay it, particularly if we don't, our, want, we don't want our lights to be turned off. And in the same way, Jesus says, when we serve God, We're doing our duty. We don't deserve any special reward. And neither do we need any special gifts to carry out our work. We don't need any special spiritual insights. We don't even need an abundance of faith. What we need is to show up and be willing to do our part. Pastor Douglas Meyer tells about a telephone call that he received recently from a teenager. She called to tell him that she wanted to do something to help people. But she said she could only help on Saturdays between 2 and 5 because she had sports and studies and a busy social schedule. And she really didn't want to do anything outside with bugs. And, but her mother said to be sure that, that it was with people because that looks good on your college resume. And she likes the idea of working with the hungry, but she, she really didn't want to cook anything. And she definitely didn't want to wash any dishes, but helping people was something that she really and truly wanted to do. <laughs> well, unfortunately, the truth of the matter is that that's how too many people want to serve today. When it's convenient for them and when it's within their area of expertise and when they can receive recognition and appreciation for what they've done. And the concept of servanthood, for the sake of servanthood, is really an alien concept for many people today. The disciples thought that their problem was that they lacked faith. But Jesus told them that that was not the problem. The problem was they lacked commitment. Dr. Isaac Watts put our situation in a hymn a couple of centuries ago. Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and sailed through bloody seas? 
Are there no foes for me to face? Must I not stem the flood? Is this vile world a friend to grace to help me on to God? Sure, I must fight if I would reign. Increase my courage, Lord. I'll bear the toil, endure the pain, supported by thy word. I wonder, are those sentiments lost on us today? Are we too affluent or too pampered or too comfortable to hear and to appreciate the words of the gospel of Jesus? Father John Deere tells about a friend of his who died several years ago from cancer. And Father Deere says that she was a very lively and active person who worked in two large parishes in Long Island, New York, where she was involved with many good causes. And just before she died, she said to him, John, I figured out the meaning of life. And he said, really? She said, yes. And here it is. When you're a child and a teenager, you serve. When you are in your 20s and beginning life and starting a family, you serve. When you are in your 30s and 40s, you serve. When you are middle-aged, you serve. When you are in your 60s and 70s and starting to retire, you serve. When you move into your 80s and start to slow down, you serve. When you get sick, you serve. When you are dying, you serve. And on your last day, as you take your last breath, you serve. And that's true. You serve. Without a fuss. And sometimes with very little recognition and and not a lot of glory. It is only when you pass over to the other side to be received in the waiting arms of Jesus that you hear those ultimate words of commendation. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Come and share my joy. Because that's who we are. We're servants. And we serve because of the one who has first served us. Folks, we're not seeking to work our way into heaven. That's already been taken care of on the on the cross because of what Christ has done for us. But we need to remember that our salvation came about because the Lord of all the universe was willing to take on the role of a servant. And now God calls on us to serve as well. And we are called to serve not because it will look good on our resume and not because we will be praised for it, but because that's who we are. We are followers of the one who became a servant for all of us so that we might be sons and daughters of the Most High. That's who we are. We are servants of the Lord. But unfortunately, that concept of servanthood is lost on many folks today. And that lookout for number one attitude has taken something very important out of our character. And sometimes that crisis is even felt in the church when there's a job that needs to be done and no one can be found to do it. And by the way, just as a reminder and as an aside, our nominating team is working (laughs) right now. And um, they may be getting in touch with you sometime soon. 
And if there is an area of service that you particularly want to be a part of, I hope that you'll let us know because we're all called to serve the Lord. But the disciples asked Jesus for more faith. However, there's no record that Jesus granted that request because they didn't need more faith. What they needed was simply to show up for duty. How would how would that happen? Well, he would give them what they needed. But first, they needed to show up. They needed to say, along with the prophet Isaiah, Hear my Lord. Send me. Would that be your attitude today? Whatever it takes, Lord. Whatever you want me to do, Lord. Any way that I can be of service to you, Lord, I'm willing. Here am I, Lord. Send me. I hope that that is the attitude that each of us has. Because we're called to be servants of the Lord because the Lord himself served us and still does each day. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn of response. It's number 485, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. And that's what we're called on to do is to take a stand for Christ and to serve the Lord. To serve the Lord in whatever capacity we are called to serve the Lord. There may be someone here today who needs to make a commitment to Jesus Christ and to say, yes, I do need to serve the Lord. I need to accept Christ as my Savior and recognize the service that Christ has done for me, especially in dying on the cross for my sins. That's a commitment that Christ made to us. And now it's time for us to make the commitment to him. Maybe you need to make that commitment today. If you're looking for a church home to be a part of, we invite you to come and unite with our church today as we sing together. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. Would you come? Oh God, as we go from this place, we go in the in great gratitude and acknowledgement of what you have done for our lives, that you have given up your place of glory and you came to this earth and took on the role of a servant. 
And you were obedient even unto death, death on the cross. We thank you for that, O God, and for the forgiveness of sins that comes to us through that. And we acknowledge that because of what you have done for us, we also are called to serve one another. We are also called to take on the mind of Jesus Christ, which is a mind of servanthood. And so, O Christ, we pray that you would be with us, that your spirit would fill our hearts and inspire us, O God, to live our lives as you lived yours, a life of service. Go with us, O God. Empower us and move us in the direction that you would have us to go. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.